so yeah, what were your favorite books as a kid or as children, since there are more than one of you here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, to keep things within the world of Roald Dahl, I did like uh, James and the Giant Peach, but it probably wasn't my favorite. I loved the Baron Stain Bears which is one of those Mandela effect things where everybody thought it was the Berenstein Bears and it turns out it's the Berenstain Bears. Oh, yeah. Yep. Which, I, I don't know, that's just... Mm, mm. I mean, I know that's like the whole point of it, but like, Jesus, I remember so vividly it being like Berenstain Bears, but I guess uh, I guess we're all just, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like that's probably where the timeline split. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's evidence of time travel because everybody says it's the Berenstain Bears. But, but somebody went back in time and changed it to Berenstain. Yeah, and I don't know I don't know what happened. I don't know like how that happened, but I just I didn't I know that's the reason that we're in the timeline that we're in. Like, <laughs> that's what set all this shit in motion. That was like that, you know, the butterfly effect, like that, you know, that one flap of the wing that like rippled through time and like now here we are. <laughs> you changed Berenstein to Berenstain and then all of a sudden Donald Trump is president. Yeah. And we're in a pandemic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, fix it. Someone, someone, go back and fix the timeline. <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess if that were the case, then this podcast wouldn't exist because <laughs> part of the reason this podcast started was because we're all so depressed about like, the, the state of like, the world. 2016 that we're like, yeah, uh, we need something to like, so we just like don't, you know kill ourselves i don't know like, we need something else to think about anything else to talk about right now please <laughs> oh god um so, so yeah go fix listeners the timeline. go fix it someone yeah. your listeners go fix it <laughs> um yeah i don't know like i i can't think of anything off the top of my head like i i literally like used to read the encyclopedia as a kid um, and particularly a lot of I mean particularly I, I would try and find anything I could on like Greek myths uh you know for reasons um nice you know that had nothing to do with the fact that like so many and so much of like Greek art was like nude men but you know homoerotic <laughs> as hell <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a story for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on another yeah. podcast, I'll tell the stories of the coasters we got my dad in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like. I also remember like really loving. Um, I had this like book that was like all about you know sea creatures. Like I really wanted to be like a marine biologist for like mm-hmm. two years of my you know childhood <laughs> life. It was like that was like the thing that I wanted to do before like. You know, I wanted to be like an engineer and then before I wanted to be an architect and then before I wanted to be, you know, a fireman and then before, you know, I wanted to be a ninja and then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the stupid kid things. Of, I like uh, the evolution of architect to ninja. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, when we were kids and stupid and thought we could actually like, you know, be anything. <laughs> Oh, okay. We are getting off on the wrong foot. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it kind of matches with this movie that it is does. like weird and um, yeah. How is this for children? I don't. I so much of this movie that was is. almost anything that's written by Roald Dahl for children. Exactly. Yeah. Like 
my I think my favorite role doll as a kid was the witches, which is uh, no, sorry, not the witches, uh, the twits, which is a less well known and it's really short, but it's basically a married couple who just torture one another all day long. So like they'll glue all of this, um, you know, furniture onto the ceiling and pretend like nothing's wrong. Or uh, I remember this so vividly of, you know, I think it's the wife has a cane. And so the husband puts a penny on the bottom of the cane every day so that she thinks she's shrinking. <laughs> right? So, so it's gaslighting. Yes. <laughs> wow. It's gaslighting. It's also each other. Like just <laughs> Jim and Dwight through eternity. Yes. <laughs> It feels like kind of like a first draft of like Neil Gaiman style children's book um, <laughs> where like Neil Gaiman is actually like, I feel like taken a lot from Roald Dahl in terms of like writing children's books that are kind of like towing that line of treating kids like they actually, you know, know things and can understand things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I feel like Coraline is like the main thing that comes to mind. But it's just done better by Neil Gaiman, <laughs> um, like in terms of like structure. I, I mean, again, I well, this is like just based off of these two, mo- like those two movies at least. Like I, maybe the books are better, but yeah, I feel like James and the Giant Peach is really kind of the big one for me. And then uh, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Charlie Factory, and the Chocolate Factory, yeah, are kind of like the two standouts. But I feel like Roald Dahl is kind of hit or miss. Uh, <laughs> it might be controversial, but I don't know. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it is kind of like a weird, a line that makes me wonder exactly what was going on in that brain. <laughs> well, and yeah, to set the context for this movie, when I, cause I saw, I read the book many, many, many times as a kid. Right. And this came out just when I was just old enough I, that I wasn't really a kid anymore. So I remember seeing it, but you know, not thinking anything more of it. So thank you, listener, who recommended that we look at this because I started watching it and I was like, wow, this opening shot is really kind of weird, right? This opening shot of the pan with zooms over mountain, snowy mountains. And I'm like... Hey. Yeah, and with that super 90s font, like yes. the, the yeah. Twin Peaksy looking, like it, yes. it's so 1990 and it's and it's everything. <laughs> yes. And so like, but then it was like directed by Nicholas Rogue. And I was like, wait, What? Who hired Nicholas Rogue to make a children's movie? So to set some context for those of you who might not know this director. So he's a British director. He's kind of, I would maybe call him like a director, a filmmaker's filmmaker in that like he influences a lot of household names like Steven Soderbergh and Christopher Nolan and all those, that kind of generation really see him as a pioneer, but uh, he's not as well known. But just to give some context, some of his other movies don't look now um, with... Um, uh, Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie begins, and this happens in the first five minutes, with Donald Sutherland in slow motion dragging his drowned child out of a pond, right? Oh. Um, Walkabout, which is also a phenomenal film, in the opening five minutes begins with a um, father taking his teenage daughter and maybe 10-year-old son, driving them out into the middle of the nowhere in the outback and begins shooting at them before committing suicide. That's the opening five minutes of the movie. Uh, he also directed uh, Man Who Fell to Earth, starring David Bowie as an alien. Who picked him? It's genius, right? Like, who picked this person to make a children's movie? I, I, I just absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> the filmmaking is interesting because I wrote down at one point, this movie should be called Close-Ups, Dutch Angles, and Puppets. Yes. <laughs> I have a very similar note and yours is more succinct. Well done. Yeah, yeah those transformation sequences were like 
the physical effects were like really interesting and I thought they were well done. Um, and it was, yeah, it was like, I feel like there was a lot of like creative, uh, creative cuts in this. Um, like one in particular that comes to mind is when uh, Angelica Houston is like taking off her mask and like people show up at the door yes. and then like her assistant like walks in front of the camera, but like it, like the way that it's cut, like it cuts like pretty seamlessly to like the, you know, prosthetic, like mask that she has like holding her hand like holding her hands in front of and then to like the hair the head kind of like moving in front of her face like in like a smooth like transition to mm-hmm. where she's like now has her actual it's like her actual face mm-hmm. um so yeah it, 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 there's a lot of really cool things being done as, in terms of like the effects um i guess we should talk about the plot because uh <laughs> someone want to set it up <laughs> if, if we have to <laughs> I guess the plot is is uh, something that exists in this movie, um, <laughs> but it kind of isn't the point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's very much a movie where the plot doesn't matter that much. <laughs> yeah, it it really feels like hey, we got Jim Henson, you know, we've got uh, we got Jim Henson here. Um, we're just gonna like you know use that to its like greatest effect, uh, and just kind of like create excuses for us to uh, show off like you know the what's what's his like uh effects house team or his effects house name i don't i don't remember but like uh, isn't it just uh, the jim henson company is it okay yeah it's something uh, so, like yeah. that it's complicated once disney bought it yeah anyway <laughs> uh so yeah and i think that 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 part of it's really cool but yeah so essentially the movie starts out like very uh princess brideian of like the grandma's telling her grandson that um, you know, all about like witches, how to identify them and, you know, like kind of like what they are and what they do, which is, uh, is it, well, so it's that like witches hate children and they want to like destroy all children. Yeah. They wear wigs and it makes their scalps really itchy. They don't have toes. So they wear re- like they wear uh square, square ended shoes, uh, and never wear like nice, fancy shoes, only sensible shoes. Uh, they trap children in paintings. Um, <laughs> they speak parcel tongue, apparently. Um, <laughs> uh, and they, uh, this was the one that really, I, I, I cracked up because, uh, so apparently witches, they can, they smell children, but they can only smell children when they're clean. And yes. so, so the grandmother tells the grandson to like wash once a month. <laughs> and, and it just makes me think of because this like this is all like I guess she's from like the not the Netherlands um she's she's like Scandinavia uh, somewhere like Norway or Sweden I think the actress is Swedish and she's a film director also yeah so I think I think it starts with an N where they say in the movie but yeah so it's like this kind of like European yeah, I think like the whole movie of, takes place in Norway Norway and England yeah yeah yeah. And so it was just like reminding me, I was just like, oh, so I'm like, maybe that explains why Europeans weren't washing until the Morris came along and taught them how to bathe. <laughs> <laughs> because, they're keeping the witches away. Yeah, they're, they're, we're just we're trying to keep the witches away. And if we're clean, then we'll smell like ourselves. So we got to cover ourselves in dirt to not, so that we don't attract witches. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, again, I guess because I remember the book so fondly, like, the world, this totally destabilized world where witches are real and are out to get children, right, is, like, just 
the beginning, right? That's the premise of the whole movie and, so, and the premise of the whole book. So like in rewatching it as an adult, I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. It's a totally destabilized world that's terrifying for children. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the grandma is teaching the, the kid all about witches and everything. And then the kid's parents die, which he is totally nonplussed by. <laughs> um, <laughs> Steph and I were watching it last night and she goes, are we to assume that his parents are dead? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, his parents totally died. Yeah, it was pretty quick. It was a pretty quick scene where it was just like the police just like show up in front of the house after their parents leave, after his parents leave for a trip. And then, yeah, we're just like, oh, the, I, the parents are dead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then I thought like the grandma was going to die for a second, but like she just apparently had diabetes. And that was again, another moment where it was like, okay, cool. Now moving on. <laughs> there was a funeral scene and I think they shot it and I think it got edited out um, to move the plot forward. But um, yeah, you know, something bad is going to happen because in the first of many, many insane shots in this movie, the moment the parents are getting into the car, it switches to a handheld camera. And this like <laughs> creepy stalker handheld camera. And you're like, okay, this is not going to end well. Oh, yep, they're dead. There you go. <laughs> and the, next, the first time you see a, a witch that um, Luke encounters a witch, creepy handheld camera, right? Like it is beat for beat. Like you know something is wrong in this world. Yep. Right. Handheld, handheld while zooming, handheld yeah. while panning, <laughs> zooms, zooms that also have pans. Dutch angles, wide angle, wide angle on the ground, wide angle dangling from a sock, <laughs> wide angle in an elevator, right? <laughs> a mouse cam, handheld, wide angle, where a, a character steps into the camera, right? Like, it's crazy. I love it. <laughs> but, but just to to finish going through the Sorry, plot. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I just said. The, the grandma and the kid go to a hotel in Norway where there is a witch convention happening and yeah. the kid discovers the witches. He gets turned, him and another gluttonous child get turned into Bruno. mice and they yeah. have to defeat the witches as mice. Yeah, I'm like, if there's one thing that Roald Dahl's going to do, it's he's going to punish a fat child. Fat kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I made a note about uh, Augustus Gloop and, <laughs> yes. and Bruno yep. Jenkins being like, yeah, that must be a thing for Roald Dahl. It's like, yeah, not to mention child. Um, <laughs> the kid in Matilda, the kid in Matilda with the, he, that like has to eat the cake. I don't remember his name, but I feel like it's one of those things too where he like has one of those names where you're like, oh yeah, that's like the fat kid name. Like, yeah. <laughs> like Gus Gloop, Bruno. Like he's just like, uh, <laughs> it's just like so rude. <laughs> well, you know, to eat is to, is a moral failing. Yeah. Well, cause even after um, the kid has turned into a mouse, like, the grandma's like, oh, yeah, he could stand to lose a little weight. And then the kid's like, yeah, see, mom, you always wanted me to lose weight, and now I'm a mouse. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Like, why do you hate fat people so much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they have to outwit. Do, do mice have, like, 
prehensile tails like that. <laughs> like, they're no, like, like winging yeah. from things and like it, carrying it bottles with their tails. <laughs> they are much more akin to rats than they are to mice. Through this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess rats are less uh, family friendly or something. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, uh, yeah it's, it's so funny though. Um, I just love the, when they're like showing Luke's mice like against like the puppet mice and you like see like the uh like the, the they just look just a little bit off like i feel like those uh the real mice would be having like an uncanny valley effect for, <laughs> from their like, the, the, the human mice things are yeah. like you there's something wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> you look like us but not <laughs> right um yeah so i guess for me the pleasure in this movie is watching Nick Rogue's filmmaking, right? And just how every shot and every edit is done with such intentionality and clarity and down to that when during the transformation scene where the main character is turning into a mouse, there's a point of view shot as he shrinks down and you can see it's like you're inside his shirt as he's shrinking down and you can see Angela Houston's face and the collar of his shirt, right? Like who puts a camera inside a shirt, (laughs) right? (laughs) But it works, right? And it shows that, you know, he's shrinking, right? He's getting smaller and kind of folding into his clothes. I I think for me, the pleasure in watching this is all about just, it's like you could put it on mute and just watch, (laughs) just watch the the filmmaking um, chops going on. That's a, he also does do a lot of, and he does this in his other films also, of kind of intentionally redubbing, like using ADR or looping, to redub lines that not because they didn't get it right the first time, but to create that uncanny effect, right? That it does like things in this world don't quite match up at certain times. And he does that to make it too. even creepier. To make it even <laughs> creepier. Yes. <laughs> Did you find it creepy having because Colin, you'd said that this movie scared you as a child. Is that right? I, I know. I I don't think I have such vague memories of it from childhood because I don't think I ever got past like the first 40 minutes or so. Um, <laughs> because you couldn't handle it? Because it was too scary? Yeah, just because it would scare the crap out of me. Um, <laughs> so I, I did enjoy watching this movie last night. It was, it's so 1990, and I like the Jim Henson-ness of all of it. And, and like you're saying, the, the filmmaking is really different and innovative in ways. But I also, what I really liked was just Angelica Houston. It, it, was, yes. it was really fun to see her just owning. I love, like... At the very beginning of the witch convention, she's throwing such shade. <laughs> like one of the other witches says something, <laughs> she's like, Oh, I love how great you look, or how effortless you make you look. She's like, Oh, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> <laughs> I love her vaguely European accent, right? Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. And uh, gosh, I, I, I think she is like hot as hell in this movie, right? She, that, yeah. yeah. And so there's something to be said for making the villain sexy, right? And I really kind of like because again, another theme in Nick Rogue's movies, like his most famous filmmaking scene is a sex scene, right? Like that, and it's extremely erotic and really lovely and really beautiful, and then ripped off by uh, Steven Soderbergh and Out of Sight. But I can talk about that later when we get to recommendations. But anyway, so the idea that you have a sexy villain is really fun in a children's movie. Yeah, I can see why you might have uh, stopped as a kid, like especially when it gets to that, like that first transformation scene with Bruno. Like, I feel like yeah, that's one of those things where like when you're watching it, watching it as a kid, like just seeing that kind of like 
distortion happening would probably be like frightening. It reminds me of like that scene in um if you've seen All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yes. Like, um like I think his name's Charlie the dog, like um, where he's like going like through hell pretty much. And I think it got like got cut in like later like releases of the movie, but like that scene is just like terrifying. It's like all of these like faces shifting. Uh, and, and like, yeah, again, like those weird like angles of like, like to further distort like what's happening. And yeah, I would, I would imagine that that would be very unsettling as a kid watching that. <laughs> it's yeah. exactly like All Dogs Go to Heaven because I remember that movie too. Like, I loved most of that movie, but I really hated that one part. <laughs> <laughs> it's a topsy turvy, physically unstable world. I love this as a children's idea, right? That there's, in you know, there's the whole tradition of children's literature, which is making children feel safe, right? Um, like the Disneyfication of every Grimm's fairy tale, right? Yeah. Where it ends with a happy ending. But in this, it it is just acknowledging and leaning into the idea that it is terrifying to be a child. And that is a rare thing to see, especially in a large, big budget kind of mainstream movie production. Yeah, but I mean, this movie does have a happy ending. Like everything turns out okay because the Glinda character kind of shows up at the end and <laughs> changes him back into a human. And... You mean Bubbles from Abfab? I was, I didn't realize she was in this movie. I was like, what are you doing here? Ah, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things where it was like almost like the very last minute. <laughs> like when things work out because it was like I remember like looking and I was like there's four minutes left in this movie and he's still a mouse <laughs> are, we really gonna, okay, are we gonna end this movie with him being a mouse and then it's just like yeah it's, a lot. it's like literally like the last like one minute of the movie is like yeah the the good witch coming and like uh, you know, before we see her fed up with like Angelica Houston and, you know, kind of being taken for granted. And so she, you know, quits her job, like quits being Angelica Houston's assistant. Uh, and so she doesn't get turned into a mouse at the end and then ends up, yeah, going to save uh, <laughs> Luke. And, you know, he makes sure to shout out, you're like, oh, don't forget about Bruno. Like, <laughs> just as like a, all right, so we know that's happening. Cool. <laughs> Off screen. Or yeah. something. Oh, yeah. After the movie ends. <laughs> Let's just put in a line to know that the other kid is going to be okay. <laughs> And I, in watching this, I was like, wait a minute, this isn't how the book ends. The book ends that he stays a mouse. And not only that, I actually looked it up because I remember it so vividly as a child. Quote, I'll be a very old, this is what he says to his grandma. I'll be a very old mouse and you'll be a very old grandmother. And soon after that, we'll both die together. Oh, wow. That's wow. how the book ends. Again, that's why like, it felt like it, that's what the ending was supposed to be. Like it, like, it really did. Like, and I feel like they were just like, yeah, we can't, we can't, we can't do this in a, in a kid's movie. So I looked it up. Yeah, I looked it up because I was so curious. So they did actually film two different endings and then they test screened both of them. And Roldal was not pleased that they changed him back into a human at the end. But that's the one that won the day. Yeah, the kids are probably just like, what, mommy? No, why? Why? <laughs> like every test audience was like that... Uh, 
that kid after the oh what is that uh the odd life of timothy green where there's like the viral video of the kids crying in the backseat of the car why did he have to go why did he have to to go I love I love the idea that I mean I would rather be a mouse at this point. (laughs) Even have a line about how he's like, you know, before he turns into a mouse, he's like, it'd be cool to be a mouse. You know, you can just like play and eat and play and eat. He doesn't have to go to school. Yeah. Doesn't have to get a job. (laughs) He has an awesome habit trail that he lives in with like the little Lego car that he can go around (laughs) the tracks and everything. Yeah, I think I would like to be turned into a mouse at this point. <laughs> I'm too much happier, I think, it's a mouse. <laughs> yeah, so he and his grandma will die together. There we go. That's how. Uh, yeah. Aw, so sweet, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I'm just curious. What, um, so, Craig, you'd never seen this before. Colin, you'd never gotten through it. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw it as a kid, but you know, read the book so many times. So Craig, as an adult, was it scary to watch? No, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it was scary. Again, there were like moments where you could feel like they were going for like a really like unsettling kind of mm-hmm. like tone. And yeah, again, I could see like if I were a kid, I could see myself like being like creeped out by it. But yeah, I mean, as an adult, like it was just kind of like, and and also like, you know, with the time how far things have come in terms of like effects and things like that. Like while it does look good, like for the time and like holds up pretty well, like it's still like pretty obvious. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's not like, you know, super, super scary, but like, I feel like, especially like in that last, in that last scene where um, all of the witches uh, are turning into mice because like their whole plan is to go like ratatouille in the kitchen and, dose the soup with like the potion that turns people into mice oh yeah we we skipped over that too that the the witches have a plan to transform all the children in england into mice yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah that scene where they're like when he's like uh when mr bean (laughs) 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 comes out with uh like a cleaver and he's like, you know, they show him like, you know, chopping and then like you see like the blood on the cleaver and uh, and then like when the grandma's like, oh yes, there's a particularly infectious mouse right under that glass jug. And uh, he's like, wow, you know, wow, that was a great grandma. The listeners, the grandma from the movie is not here. That was a flawless impression. <laughs> uh, it's like he goes and like, uh, you know, chops down and then like the green like you know guck just like splatters onto his face like yeah again i could see how this movie could be terrifying for a child (laughs) but yeah like again like as an adult it was it was like pretty mild (laughs) yeah so uh, again this is from um nick rogue's memoir so apparently one of his sons was watching it a previous cut that was scarier and then ran around and sat behind the television stuff, <laughs> this television set, because the kid was his own son was so scared. So they kind of toned it down. This is the toned down version. Um, and I think he had a nice comment about this that quote: "If a parent were reading the story to a child and saw the child getting nervous about it or upset, they could shut the book. But once you take someone to the cinema and put them in a seat, you frighten the bejesus out of them. <laughs> right? <Yes>. There's no." <laughs> 
So I want to see the scarier cut. <laughs> yeah, it would be really interesting to see. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah, it scared me as a kid. As an adult, it was just kind of an interesting piece of filmmaking. But, it, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it, it did scare me when I was little. Um, what is cockaleaky soup? <laughs> I don't know if that's a real Britishism or like a yeah, that one. one I was like, um, I was like, uh, leaky cock soup. That's <laughs> like something you should see a doctor about. <laughs> Please seek medical attention. <laughs> Oh god! And uh, yeah, Bruno's parents were just like the worst. Oh my god, they were awful. Like, yes. I was like, no, let 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 his dad eat the soup. Like, let, let, <laughs> yeah, let, let him his dad eat the mouse him. soup. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of fun, exaggerated, awful. And the actress I can't think of her name who plays the Bruno's mom later plays uh, um, Elizabeth Bennett's mother in Pride and Prejudice. The the worst mom in British literature. <laughs> so she, she goes on to play her in um, the, the one with um, Keira Knightley. I can't remember she's which got a, She's got a type. Or she's, she's, yeah, she's yeah. a typecast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she goes on to play the most hilarious mother in <laughs> British history. Um, yeah. So I guess that for me, that it just is the pleasure in watching someone who really kind of knows what they're doing and is willing to be extremely stylistic in their filmmaking um, and, and making crazy choices like putting a shot inside someone's shirt or dangling a camera from a sock, right? Like, of just really being willing to go for it. And I think that's why other, Nick Rogue's other films are well-known by filmmakers, but not necessarily, and, and aren't like classics of cinema in the same way that others are because he is so odd and wonderfully experimental. And so that's what I really love about his films. Um, And I guess I'm moving into recommendations here, but if part of that unsettled, destabilized world was something you liked about this movie as an adult, (laughs) go watch his other films because this is the toned down version of how weird Nick Rogue can get. And it's actually missing, or maybe it isn't there and I just didn't catch it, but it's missing his like really stylistic um, you know, uh, flourish and what he's known for is cutting things out of sequence so that time doesn't flow in the kind of traditional causal linear model in a lot of his scenes and time gets all crazed and then the geometry of space gets all crazed. And so the fact that there was none of the time displacement in this is I'm guessing what they cut out of the scarier version. <laughs> because to add, like, to not only that, you're transforming into a mouse, and that there's a witch who wants to kill me. <laughs> that also adding that breaking of time, I think that would be a little bit much for, for ch- ch- uh, a kid's audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should now be a good time for me to uh, move into the new segment, Roll Doll Facts. <laughs> <laughs> Please go right yes, ahead. Please. Okay. <laughs> I like the song with it too. <laughs> so Roald Dahl, um, not only famous for being a children's author, Roald Dahl is famous in the world of hydrocephalus. Um, hydrocephalus is a medical condition uh, also called water on the brain. So all of us have fluid surrounding our brains. It's called cerebrospinal fluid or CSF. It cushions your brain inside the skull. It does all sorts of stuff. It carries... Um, electrical impulses like from your spine up to your brain and stuff. Um, 
all of our bodies make more CSF than you actually need. And in most people's brains, uh, the brain just absorbs the extra CSF. If you have hydrocephalus, for one reason or another, your brain is unable to reabsorb that fluid. And so it just builds up and it creates pressure and it starts squeezing on the brain and all sorts of bad stuff happens. Uh, the way this is treated is with a medical device called a shunt, which is just basically a catheter, a, a rubber tube with a one-way valve so that the water can drain out of your brain, uh, but it can't go back up. So Roald Dahl's son had a traumatic brain injury when he was hit by a car and he developed hydrocephalus. But Roald Dahl was unhappy with the type of shunt valves that were available at the time. So Roald Dahl worked with a hydraulic engineer named Stanley Wade and a neurosurgeon named Kenneth Till to create the Wade-Dahl-Till valve. So Roald Dahl not only like, served in World War II and was a children's author, but he created a new type of shunt valve that I think might even still be used. That type of valve still might be used today, or at least the uh, design of it influenced other shunt valves that came after Woohoo! Yeah. So one Doll uh, helps create a shunt valve, and now the next Doll fact, or Doll facts, <laughs> <laughs> is where we have an intersection with James Bond connections. <laughs> so, wait, sorry. Before you go into it, can I, the plot of the next James Bond movie be that the supervillain wants to turn everyone into mice? <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. That would be great. <laughs> I think I would like James Bond better if it was that. <laughs> so roll Sorry. it off. <laughs> so Angelica Houston <laughs> turns to turn the world yes, into mice. Angelica Houston as a Bond villain? villain? Get yeah. out of town. That would be great. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Roald Dahl <laughs> was a fighter pilot. In World War II, he served in Her Majesty's Air Force, and he served with such distinction that he was recruited into British intelligence. So Roald Dahl was also a spy. Um, working in British intelligence is where Roald Dahl met a rather shocking young man named Ian Fleming, <laughs> who, who had come over to British intelligence from the Royal Navy. They kind of became friends and all this stuff, and then after Ian Fleming's death, Roald Dahl would go on to do the screenplay adaptations of two different Ian Fleming stories. So Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is originally a book written by Ian Fleming. Uh, Roald Dahl did the screenplay, so Roald Dahl was responsible Whoa. mostly for the movie. But it's originally an Ian Fleming story. And then Roald Dahl also wrote the screenplay for You Only Live Twice, which is... One of my favorite Bond movies because it's so insane. I, I will not subject the two of you to it because it is so racist. <laughs> but oh, yeah, I was like Ian Fleming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please don't make us watch it. <laughs> it no, it, it's, it's James Bond in Japan. I, I could never oh. make the two of you watch it. it it's Ooh. horrifically racist. <laughs> um, and I mean, and then inherently misogynist. And oh then, yes, in super misogynist. Rodol anti-Semitic or something. I remember there being rumors about him being like wildly anti-Semitic, but I don't it, know it would not surprise me. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, Roll Dahl or Ian Fleming? Roll Dahl. Roll Dahl. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, one of the things I thought was with this movie, like being all about like witches and like the evil of women and everything, I thought there must have been some moment in the halls of British intelligence where Ian Fleming and Roll Dahl are there together and like, I say Roll Dahl, boy. <laughs> yes, Ian, what is it? <laughs> do, do you know what I hate? Women. 
<laughs> You're absolutely right, Ian. The, the, the women are just the worst, aren't they? <laughs> but anyway, those were my my rolled-off facts. But uh, all, while we are on James Bond connections, Rowan Atkinson is in this movie. Rowan Atkinson is in Never Say Never Again, the unlicensed James Bond movie that was made by Peter McClory in basically a big fuck you to Cubby Broccoli. Interesting. Wow. Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean. Mr. Bean is in a Bond movie? Again. Like, oh, oh, yes. Rowan Atkinson is in a Bond movie. It's That is one I might make the two of you watch because it's so off. <laughs> it's such a strange version of a James Bond movie. It, it's it's unlicensed, so they can't use the 007 logo. They can't use like so much of the stuff, but they have the rights to James Bond, to Spectre, to all of these other things. And the only thing it has going for it is that it has Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! If that's the only yeah, thing, only thing then, geez. <laughs> <laughs> that bar is in hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you talked us out of that one, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> what Sean Connery you tried. is just you tried. Point for the <laughs> You tried. <sighs> so yeah. So I would you have preferred the ending where he stays the mouse? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, it's just one of those things where it felt like, yeah, they they were going to go all the way and then they just like pulled back at the last second. Yeah. And it should have just, yeah, it would have been, it would, I mean, again, the movie already, like the plot of it is, you know, uh, we'll say nebulous to keep it generous, but um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like, yeah, like just uh, just finish strong and just like, you know, go all the way with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think last night, any time that um, Steph had a question about the plot, I would say either who knows or who cares. <laughs> right. But <laughs> 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 again, like I love that abandoned plot structure and sto- style of storytelling. So there's a reason why I think I enjoyed this movie far more than either of you did. <laughs> Where it's like, plot, 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 keep going. <laughs> we'll have a whole set, like nonverbal five minutes. Awesome. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> for a kid's movie, for the time period. Yeah, it was fine. Like it's, it's definitely, it's weird. It's, it's out there. Uh, it's definitely one of those things that, yeah, I, I feel like if you like it, that then you like it. If you don't, then yeah, then I can see either way, like why someone would absolutely love this movie or absolutely hate this movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be polarizing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, do we have any, uh, any final notes? Uh, my last note was <laughs> they, at one point they have a book that has the name and address of every witch in America. And I would like them to have do a recut of this movie where they open up the book with every witch in America and the first name is Betsy DeVos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, God. <laughs> There's anyone who like hates children and is like working on some secret agenda to have them eliminated. It would be her. It would be her. <laughs> I want to see her take off her wig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I, I also had that the kid in this movie is like a proto version of Jonathan Lipnicki from, uh, oh God. <laughs> yeah, from, uh, kid from uh, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
It's just With like the human head the weighs eight pounds. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they had to uh, license Happy Birthday. That must have cost them like ten thousand dollars. I know. I, I actually <laughs> noticed that too. I was like, "Whoa!" They paid for it. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I guess uh, should we move to if you liked this slash uh, do you have stats on us? Uh, uh, stats, it has a 6.8 on IMDb, a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 70% audience tomatoes. Uh, that, again, makes sense. Critics love it. Audiences are confused by it. Yeah, it <laughs> right. It, it had an, an opening weekend of $2 million and a worldwide gross of $10 million. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of a flap for a kid's movie, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Shall we move into recommendations? Sure. Yeah. All right. right. If you like this movie, I'm just going to jump in. If you liked the destabilized craziness of this movie, I would start with uh, Don't Look Now, uh, which is extremely stylized and it is a straight-up horror movie. Um, That's uh, I rewatched the opening six minutes of it uh, because I have probably seen that movie a hundred times. Because I study it, like I like I, you can learn from this movie um, so much. So anyway, I would I would very much recommend that one. That's my favorite of all of his, um, and then the rest of his catalog. If this movie wasn't weird enough for you, and <laughs> you wanted something even creepier, um, I would recommend Alice, which is the retelling of Alice in Wonderland um, by Jan Svenkmeier, who's a uh, Eastern European animator, and it goes uh, what's beyond the uncanny valley. Um, it is deeply, profoundly unsettling. So I, I, I also love that movie. And it's all about, again, the terror of being a child. Um, and that, um, that, you know, the eat me, drink me, she, the live action actress turns into a doll, right? <laughs> because uh, that's what, how the world looks to a child. There's no logic there. Okay, so then I would also recommend, I think it's called Bad Taste. I have to Google it, but it's Peter Jackson's first movie. People turn into giant, disgusting rats. I'll just say that. And eat soup and like her ear, grandma's ear falls off into her own soup and then she eats it. <laughs> so like in terms of um, kind of really willing to go there with special effects and craziness. Um, then on the kind of more palatable end would be, uh, for most folks, would be the Dark Crystal Labyrinth, kind of that era, um, Jim Henson movies, uh, kind of the selections from Tim Burton's catalog, uh, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, and uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, Craig already mentioned Coraline. I would say the movie that scared me the most as a child that I haven't gone back to rewatch, which was a kid's movie, was um, Return to Oz. Have you <gasps> oh my that? God. Uh, yeah, no, that movie terrified me as a yeah. child. Uh, so yeah. That might be fun. <laughs> yeah, that might be fun to revisit because that movie scared the crap out of me as a kid and I have not seen it as an adult. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and last but not least, um, again, all of the time stuff that Christopher Nolan does and like, if you've seen Out of Sight, the J-Lo, George Clooney, Steven Soderbergh movie, their sex scene that's, you know, kind of classic and sexy and sultry comes right out of, it's like lifted directly out of Don't Look Now. Um, and, and both Soderbergh and Nolan say Chris you know, uh, that Nick Rogue influenced my filmmaking. So again, this is kind of a filmmaker's filmmaker, but I would highly recommend um, his films. I would say clearly if you like this, uh, you like Roald Dahl, then the original um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, or I think that one's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is the which is the 
I think Charlie is the original one. Charlie is the original one, right? The, yeah. Uh, yeah, the d- don't one. watch the remake. Watch the original. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't bother. Ugh. Yeah. But uh, if you like British films, there's tons of James Bond movies. Um, <laughs> also, if you like British movies, uh, one of our friends in the Movie Pod Squad is a uh, podcast called For Screen and Country. So I'll, I will recommend that if you like uh, British films and also all things uh, Anglo, uh, then check out for Screen and Country. Ooh. Nice. Um, let me see here. Um, some that are kind of related. Um, I think we should do like a Don Bluth block because so many of those movies, I feel like like they just got like kind of like erased from the cultural like the cultural memory. Yeah. Um, but I remember watching like all of those movies when I was a kid, uh, an American tale, all dogs go to heaven. Secrets of Mim. Yep. Secrets of Mim. That movie terrified me as a kid. Um, Anastasia, Thumbelina, mm-hmm. uh, rock a doodle, uh, a troll in central park. That movie was like my jam. And they were all like, so like weird and like the pebble and the penguin. Yeah. All of these movies too. Like, and they, they all had like that, like, weird thing where like they were like slightly terrifying but like also like really good and like really mm-hmm. well done from what i remember so yeah i'd be down we should do some of those uh sometime because yeah i feel like i'd never hear about like don bluth movies um <laughs> anymore which i guess makes sense since they kind of like i think the last thing that they made was like in the year 2000 so I'm fully in favor of doing a Don Bluth section where you can talk about a bunch of those movies and do like an honorable mention or maybe just do banter at the top about the video game Dragon's Lair, which is awesome. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then, uh, oh, yeah, you were talking about that Alice in Wonderland remake. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a really good uh, book series that starts with one. uh, It's called A Blade So Black by uh, L.L. McKinney. And it's a not really like a direct retelling. Like it's kind of like more of like a modern adaptation that like heavily uses a lot of the characters uh, without really directly just being like Alice goes to Wonderland. And it's so mm-hmm. it's like Alice is like actually like fighting like these nightmares that come from Wonderland. And Ooh. like, uh-huh. and so it's, it's a really interesting book. Um, Can you see the name one more time? Uh, a Blade So Black uh, by L.L. McKinney, who is also a Black woman author. So always, uh, yeah, always willing to support mm-hmm. that. I've been like, yeah, reading, um, trying to avoid as much as I can, like really reading anything by like white men in terms of like fantasy. And I'm like, yep. oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like so nice to like not see all these like tropes that are just like oh yeah abusive to needlessly abusive to women or like completely Fat like shaming. white and these, like, fantastic, <laughs> yeah, or just like completely like white characters in these like fantastical worlds where it's like oh cool. so you can imagine like any any people, any of, people color, of color any black people in and in, in these yep. worlds that are completely made up in your own head cool 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 <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, also N.K. Jemison, I'm, I'm sure I've recommended her works on here mm-hmm. before, uh, the Broken Earth trilogy. But yeah, you brought up the Alice in Wonderland thing, and um, I like read the first two books in that um, trilogy, and yeah, they're they're really good. So I recommend that. Completely unrelated to like any of this, but yeah, Ghost of Tsushima, I've been playing that, and oh my god, it's uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, we were talking a little bit before the show about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm jealous of you owning a PS4 just because I've seen the images you're posting of that game. Yeah. <laughs> I want to play yeah. it so badly. I've probably spent more time in photo mode than like actually playing the game. Um, <laughs> but it's it's totally fun. Um, so yeah, I recommend that. Um it's yeah, it's it's a dope game and it is gorgeous. Yeah, I think that about wraps up my recommendations for this week. So yeah, thank you all so much for listening. You and can, thank you for the recommendation. Um, yeah, thank you uh to Andre. Uh I'm not sure if they want me to like shout out their social media, but I don't know. If they do want me to, then I'll uh do it when we post the episode. But um, yeah, thank you, Andre, for recommending this movie for us. And um, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Um, you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at IWITWT. Our website is IWITWT.com. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. We've got an announcement here because Colin's going to be taking a little break. Yep, I'm, um, I'm going to be going on paternity leave here pretty soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we will be paying you your same rate of zero dollars and zero cents to while um, <laughs> you're on paternity leave. leave. Yep, I'm, I'm um, still getting we, the we same are, that's, that, that's the commitment that we have to our employees here. At, I want you to watch this. Um, you will get 100 percent of your full compensation. While you're on paternity leave, <laughs> all of the benefits, all of your zero. benefits, will, yeah, will remain in place for as long as you need. We'll we'll extend that for as long as you need. We're not even going to limit that to like four months. Like you can receive 100 percent of your compensation for as long as you need. So. <laughs> um, yeah, congratulations to Colin, who is soon to be a new father. Um, yeah, uh, so we will be trying to, you know, possibly get some guests on here. Sometimes it might just be me and Tara shooting shit, you know. I think we got the banta, you know. Um, mm-hmm. If listeners want to join, this is a great time. Here's your chance. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. if anyone wants to, uh, you know, take a swing at it, um, please feel free to hit us up. Uh, slide into those DMs and let us know if there's like a movie that you want to come on and talk about um any of that yeah we are we are open to it so on that note uh again uh you can find both me and colin individually i am on twitter at catharticus i am at colin munch right on and yeah please be sure to like share subscribe tell your friends tell their friends and please leave us reviews and all of that jazz Give us those five stars or whatever the highest rating is on whatever the thing <laughs> that you're rating us on. Shout our name from the mountaintops. Please let us do it with a mascot. Make sure you've got those masks <laughs> on. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, thank you all so much for listening and goodbye. Uh, 